0: CBN-FM, and Arbor, music for any occasion.
1: I've got to do something about this whole turn of events, because it almost seems like Scaramucci was, you know, he was such an obvious <clears throat> brown noser, butt kisser, boot licker <laughs> that you almost wonder if Trump set him up. I mean, who knew that we were getting Joe Pesci?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I bet you there were more than a few Goodfellas uh, rentals over the weekend.
1: I mean, this guy, expletive deleted, was became uh, <clears throat> part of our lexicon for a couple of days, uh, reminiscent of Watergate. And, of course, uh, one of the things that's interesting about the Watergate tapes is that some of the Republican last holdouts for Nixon were actually offended by the language. They didn't care about all the other illegal activities. <laughs>
0: Skullduggery and... Extrajudicial chicanery, but
1: why? Uh, he's got a salty tongue. That's right. He's a potty mouth. And of course, he had many expletives deleted in uh, versions of the Watergate tapes that you now hear. I seem to remember, in fact, that Billy Graham, the Reverend Billy Graham, was uh, <clears throat> offended by the salty language. <sighs> The, well, le- the least of
0: our worries. Of course, Billy Graham's uh, moral sensibilities, you have to remember, exist within a context uh, where he deemed it uh, acceptable to uh, bomb bridges and... Civilians. Civilian <laughs> farmland. Uh, well, don't bomb the people, just bomb the bridges and the farmland. Yeah. Therefore, kill them in this passive manner. So uh, if Billy Graham was freaked out by Nixon's language, he... He's no doubt rotisserieing in his grave at uh, the Mooch's uh, terse yet very harsh assessments of a couple of uh, his former colleagues.
1: Yeah, and of course what, what ultimately got him into trouble was that it, I don't think he realized when he went into the job that Bannon and Priebus were on opposite sides of the White House intrigue. So, you can attack one with expletives, but not both. And I'm sure that uh, the military man who's taken over, uh, Mr. Kelly. Um, I think it's probably his decision oh, to, yeah. uh,
0: you know, over the weekend. Uh, I'll accept this, which, by the way, he, uh, you know, asked friends for advice, and the reports are that he was encouraged not to take this position as Trump's new chief of right. staff, but perhaps through some compelling sense of duty to steer the nation through this gong show, uh, he accepted um, because it's also emerged that he was outraged uh, and thought about quitting himself as Homeland Security director when Comey was fired the way he was fired.
1: Sure. And the thing about Kelly is he's a by-the-book dude, no doubt, but it's sort of strange for Trump to uh, pile on all this praise for the job that he's done at Homeland Security since Trump has made such a big issue of homeland security, uh, a position, by the way, that the Nazis had, uh, just for the record. Um, you know, the, this, uh, and the other thing that's ironic about this, I just want to point this out historically, is that I believe the only other military man who's ever see, served as chief of staff, which, of course, in and of itself is sort of a strange position, well, the guardian of the access to the president, the scheduler, the sort of the generator of the uh, it's a congressional kind of a military liaison. position. Yeah, in essence, coordinating. But it's right. a lot of it's kind of mundane planning and coordinating the complex schedule that the president has. But I'd only point out that the other military man who served as chief of staff was Alexander Haig. Oh. And, of course, he was chief of staff when uh, Richard Nixon, our 37th president, was forced to resign. Haig, in fact, wrote up the resignation letter. Uh, Haig is quoted as saying that he discovered that there were, quote, five to seven deliberate erasures on the Watergate tapes. I suspect that we'll never know the actual truth of how Alexander Haig presented the re- resignation letter to Nixon, but I'm sure my fictional idea of what happened is that he went in with the resignation letter with pen in uh, one hand and a loaded gun <laughs> in the other. placed them both on the desk. He put them on the desk. <laughs> And said, you choose. I'll leave you alone, Mr. President. (laughs) I'll leave you in your private thoughts for a little while. (laughs) I think you know what to do. (laughs) And he did the right thing at the time, obviously. But what a strange uh, week, because, you know, here you have the president attacking Sessions for a couple of days. Our attorney, Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions from Alabama... Then the uh,
0: bizarre, oh, I just spontaneously decided uh, that transgenders are not welcome
1: in the military. The middle of the week. News to us, says the Pentagon. Right. (laughs) Puts us in sort of legal jeopardy. Well, Mattis was apparently not even consulted or was given one day notice. That may be the cover story. Uh, That, of course, there's been some backtracking on and who knows what's going to happen with that. But that's just another can of worms. And obviously, the politics of it are quite obvious. Mm. Newt Gingrich went in to talk to Trump midweek and read him the riot act about attacking Sessions. And what does Trump do? He immediately comes up with a concept. Well, I got to give the far right something quick. So he has Tony Perkins in. The, and his position is irrelevant, but he's part of the far religious right. Who's obsessed, by the way, with transgender uh, military personnel for some reason? I don't know whether he wants to date them. <laughs> well, usually <laughs> or, that kind
0: of obsessive focus
1: denotes or what some sort it's of, all about
0: internal struggle.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the midweek uh, crisis. Then Trump has this bizarre address to the Boy Scouts of America. Which is
0: really beyond the pale. Yeah. And like, if you look at last week, just as a piece, to me, I think the Boy Scout one is the most astonishing and disturbing freak out of them all. It is. Because this is
1: a politically neutral gathering. These are young people. They're, you know, most, I actually went to a, a, a jamboree. I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout, by the way. I'd like to point out that Trump is in violation of nearly all 12 of the scout laws. So he's hardly a Boy Scout. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, (laughs) kind, obedient, clean, (laughs) cheerful, (laughs) thrifty, clean, and reverent. I would argue that Trump is clean. He is obsessed with germs, apparently washes his hands quite a bit. And uh, let's remember that his uh, Vietnam War service was avoiding (laughs) the clap, as they say. (laughs) That made him a hero in his mind. But to go off in the way he did about, he's still talking about the election. And attacking Hillary Clinton and attacking, yeah, the, the whole thing, the election. And Boy Scouts... At these Jamborees, they tend to be in the eighth grade, ninth grade. That's sort of the apex of your Boy Scout career uh, for a lot of uh, young men. And I think that the Boy Scouts are a great organization uh, for what they do the service, the building of character. At least there's a sense of morality involved with being in the Boy Scouts. And of course, admittedly,
0: their numbers have slipped of enrollment, uh, partly because of their. Long-time controversial stance against uh, gays and the Boy Scouts. Sure. Uh, but they've come around on that. They've come around. And uh, so this is a major public relations black eye for the, the scouting organization, who the day after uh, Trump's appearance were forced to apologize. Why to, and are they indul-
1: apologizing?
0: Precisely. That... <laughs> this is the moment where, you know, back in the uh, Joe yeah. McCarthy era, where at one point, uh, what's the guy's name? Walsh, I think who finally says, at long last, sir, have you no
1: decency? Oh, yes. Joe Welch.
0: Yep. Uh, this is the moment for somebody in the Republican Party to stand
1: up and say, come on, man. Right. And it's just over, up. over the top, inappropriate. Um, most uh, young people that are in the 8th, ninth grade are not that politically aware of what's going on in the world. Uh, they're all kinds of reasons why their minds are still developing. Well, they're likely to
0: uh, subscribe to whatever candidate their parents prefer. At that age, they're going to come into their own
1: mind in the subsequent years. And of course, you know, what is Trump doing? He's playing this bizarre uh, game of I'm the reality TV president because he made this big reference about you're fired. In fact, Tom Price was on stage, apparently, with Trump, and Trump used the occasion to bring up the health care bill. <laughs> like, the, the people in the United States Senate don't even know what's in the health care bill. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was completely over the top. It's outrageous that the Boy Scouts were even forced to apologize. Uh, they should have been attacking the president. <laughs> Um, and as for the 12 scout laws that Trump is in violation of, 10 of them anyway, actually Trump is kind of, uh, he's not cheerful, <laughs> but he's courteous. Let, let's give him courteous as well. But I think the rest of the 12 laws, he's in violation of plain and simple. So he he's the honorary head of the Boy Scouts, but he ain't no Boy Scout. He never was and never will be. And I think... Uh, that, you know, by the way, the Jamboree is just sort of a, a, a kind of a, a gathering of, of Boy Scouts from all over the country. So it's a diverse geographical mix of young men who have come to learn some skills, trade some badges, sit around the campfire, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: and, you know, to demonstrate the extent of this aspect of the Scouts you're describing— uh, for example, there's a well-known uh, Dearborn, you know, local troop or whatever you call them of mm-hmm. the uh, of the Boy Scouts, that's almost exclusively Muslim American. Sure. Uh so it does reflect the uh, diversity of the American people. So there's people, young men, uh, at that gathering, some of whom apparently cheered the uh, uh, Hillary bashing, but many, many more who were probably in stunned silence about. Gee, uh, this feels very awkward Indeed. to me. Even as an eighth grader,
1: I recognize this is a little weird. A little weird, and of course, you know, the number one and number two laws of the of the Boy Scout Oath, just to get back to those really quickly, trustworthy is one, loyal is two. Trump, you know, the last couple of weeks, has, has he demonstrated any loyalty? There's more carcasses under the bus than, <laughs> than we can add up at this point i mean trump has set all kinds of records for demanding resignations um i'm sure that he's avoided this playful show business line you're fired (laughs) instead he demands their resignation which they comply and then they come out and say good things about donald trump but the health care bill is still up in the air (laughs) And, and, I mean, Trump's handling of that, of course, has just been atrocious. <laughs> and as far as up in the air goes, as metaphoric language, it's
0: listing heavily. and sort of like uh, a, a blimp that's unevenly
1: floating and right, sort of pointing downwards. <laughs> Trump's comb-over needs some work to get it back into balance. Uh, of course, John McCain, who knows? Maybe this is the last vote he ever uh, actually has in the Senate. But kudos to him for saying uh, what needed to be said. Yeah. And, and, you know, his speech on Tuesday, I believe it was, where he actually talked about getting back to regular order and doing things the right way. You know, that's the good John McCain. It's ironic that he made a trip back from Arizona to cast a vote to allow debate to go forward. Murkowski and Collins didn't even want to do that because they were so opposed to the health care bill. On the other hand, I do want to point out, and this is my kind of sophisticated analysis here, John McCain also provided cover for some of his fellow Republicans. Just remember that they had about four votes during the last week. I don't remember what was called what. I kind of reached a point where I really didn't care anymore. I wasn't going to read All of the gory details. The distinctions were so nebulous. Nebulous and just too complicated, too like, okay, what is this really going to do? And why are these people voting yes? I mean, I know why the, 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 the people are voting to repeal, but there were about three to nine Republican senators that voted for different, voted against the Republican version of the bill and the amendments. These were people like Portman. Alexander. And I don't know all the roll calls, but I, I read that Lamar Alexander, who once ran for president, you may remember him. I think it was 2000. He was the man that featured the plaid shirts. <laughs> he was Paul Bunyan, baby. <laughs> Davy Crockett from Tennessee. And he's a sensible centrist, actually, on some issues. He's chairman of the health committee. He's going to be holding the hearings assuming there are hearings at some point, he voted no on some of the amendments. So what McCain did by gumming up the works and by signaling with the classic thumbs down, isn't that a Roman emperor signal back in the Colosseum days? Well, I think
0: the uh, the fans in the audience of the event would, would give a thumbs up yeah. or thumbs on
1: to finish him off, finish him off. I seem to remember that was it. <laughs> Gladiator. Think uh, Russell Crowe. And by the way, check out Joe, uh, Joe Pesci in Casino. That'll give you a good idea of who uh, Scaramucci really was <laughs> and is. Um that's just an, uh, an aside, but, but in any case, I'd like to point out that, that, that McCain gave his Republican colleagues some cover. They can now all claim, other than Murkowski and uh, Collins of Maine, Murkowski of, of Alaska, who had repeatedly said they were going to vote no. Mm-hmm. They had outlined the reasons they were mm-hmm. voting no. They were voting no because of the process. They were voting no because they represent rural states that would be hurt by the, the changes that were proposed. They were voting no because there were no women on the committee of 13 that wrote up this heinous legislation in secret in violation of the Senate protocol. Kudos to John McCain for actually pointing that out, speaking about getting back to, quote, regular order here. Let's have hearings. Let's have some openness that was one Let's of work the, together. Yeah, well that's one of the main legitimate critiques of the whole process that Mitch McConnell had just simply turned this into a well, a conspiracy of the Senate to borrow another Roman expression. Yeah. <laughs> but what McCain did was and by signaling with his thumb, he allowed other Republicans to switch their votes. In other words, many Republicans now can claim that they voted for repeal when they run for re-election, because now there is an actual r- recorded vote that they voted to repeal. So they can't be attacked with Tea Party ads, for instance, that might work against a, a Jeff Flake or uh, Dean Heller from Nevada. This is what we call the sophisticated inside politics that happen all the time. There were a number of Democrats, for instance, in 2002, that were against the Bush resolution, on the vaguely poorly worded resolution about the Iraq War. Of course, it did not authorize war in Iraq. It authorized Bush to go through the UN, but there were numerous Democrats that ended up switching their vote because they knew it was going to pass, and then they said, "Well, this is going to be used against me in my next campaign. I'm not going to allow them to red bait me." Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to vote for something I don't really believe in. Well, we heard this even from Republicans. Fred Upton, when he voted for the House bill, and he's from Michigan and has some expertise on health care, openly stated that he was voting for the bill counting on the fact that the Senate would improve it or not pass it, which is what's happened. So this is the sophisticated uh, inside uh, Washington stuff that can be very frustrating, but you have to take it as is. This is how the system works. This is how these roll call votes are portrayed. And, of course, the reason that you can red bait your opponent in a political campaign and distort things is you can take a vote on an amendment and then come up with some phony issue where you're attacking a candidate on some superficial grounds because they voted one way on an amendment and use it politically. And money will allow you to do that. So, yeah, kudos to John McCain uh, for at least punching Trump in the nose once. And, of course, Trump doesn't care about the details of health care. He doesn't know anything about health care. He wants a win, a win. I don't care about anything. I want to win. Remember, he had that ridiculous celebration at the White House when the House passed Mm -hmm. the health care bill. And by the way, that that bill passed 217 to 213. That is a very, very narrow margin to radically change our system of health care. Of course, the problems with health care remain. This wasn't a vote about Brexit and remain. This is... (laughs) We're keeping Medicaid for the time being, as is. Okay, well, what's going to happen in the future? I don't know. Nobody does. But by golly, let the Senate act like grown men and women, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have some open hearings. Let's have some open discussions about improving. Now, Trump, of course, is, is going to be, you know, what does he do? He doesn't take this vote and this sign that there are m- massive problems with what Mitch McConnell did. He says, oh, no, I'm going to cut off funding. I'm going to make sure Obamacare fails with more threats. Yeah. This is how he behaves. It's an outrage. And, of course, over the last several weeks, I think that Trump's political standing is greatly weakened uh, in the United States Congress. Well, that's for sure, uh,
0: in part because of his attacks on Sessions. Yeah. Uh, you know, even Democrats were shocked that uh, he was so consistently almost daily uh, bashing
1: of Jeff Sessions, who you and I agree is deeply flawed. We wouldn't uh, mind seeing him get, given given right. the bounce. Right. <laughs> if anybody deserves to be under the under the bus with a toe tag, it's him. Right. But at the same time, he
0: has been the most loyal yeah. and most effective of any of Trump's cabinet appointees. So politically, it just never made any sense never. to do that. And I think the uh, blaming of the failure of this deeply flawed Senate bill on Reince Priebus's ability to get things done, throw him under the bus... Uh, the Mooch doesn't like him. And I don't know whether or not uh, the Mooch was going to be a long term guy anyway. No. <laughs> um, I pretty much saw him as uh, the fuse through which the whole pack of gong show candidates would be exploded. But uh, uh, I think from Priebus's standpoint, uh, he represented the RNC, sure. the attempts by uh, a grown up to formulate some sort of cohesive approach. To the myriad complexities uh, involved in pulling together legislation that has a chance to make it through, right? The and he
1: and he was never he was never set up for this job properly. He never he never had this job in any real sense. The White House has been chaos. This job was over his head. He's a political guy. He's close right. to Paul Ryan, and in fact Spicer. Was well known to be close to Priebus. That's why he was in the job. Yeah. So, you know, all of this sort of uh, palace intrigue, as they say, is not. We know what's going on. I mean, who has the power? Bannon, Jared, I think the
0: RNC is sort of
1: Kushner backed away a little bit
0: with their hands up, going, "You know what? You you guys can have it. We're we're done." And I don't know uh, whether or not General Kelly is going to be able to succeed, given that the number one problem is Trump. Trump! (laughs) The dude he's supposed to be shielding and protecting from all of these outside competing interests who are trying to gain access to him. He tweets when he wants... People, uh, there are these separate, you know, uh, poles of power within the White House. Uh, So will Trump change his behavior? No. The answer is no. Clearly no. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, Never. I mean, every time, oh, well, maybe this will, the awesome responsibility of taking the oath of office, maybe that'll snap him out of it. Nope. No. Nope. This isn't going to snap him out of it either. So it's really just a matter of time before, uh, and I don't know if Scaramucci ever had the power to come in and say, I'm going to fire whoever's doing the leagues. I don't know if the communications director has that authority. Well, that's the thing that's, that's interesting. That's the chief of staff's job, right? You would think so, or somebody else's job. I So, mean, Will Kelly who probably said, look, you've got to get rid of Scaramucci over the weekend. That's almost certainly how that played out. Um, well,
1: there was a lesser figure within the White House that was, quote, fired on Tuesday. So, Scaramucci, who, quote, it's reporting directly to the president. I love that. If yeah, I report directly to the president. I'm, you know, <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> you need another martini. <laughs> you need to calm down, Either or a Newt... bump before you go on. <laughs> Newt, Newt Gingrich put it. You got to learn the business first. Well, <laughs> he, he didn't have enough time. In fact, it's interesting and ironic, by the way, that he was fired rather quickly when he went to Goldman Sachs. So. Mm. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a blue collar. He works hard. He's all energy. And he's like that ever ready bunny. He, he keeps going and going. But well. <laughs> I think there was a, you know, that was the old flame out that I, I think is unprecedented in American history. Unbelievable. Well, let's, you know, at least take- it was funny.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's another thing that we, you know, in the dwindling minutes of the program, uh, there's still bubbling away in the background of the real world out there outside of this bubble of Gong Show contestants, the potential for... Pretty serious uh, trepidation, danger, and destruction. Sure, North Korean missile tests, uh, overthrow of an elected government in Pakistan. Looks like the military's uh, in charge. They're back there in again. charge again. Uh, yep. Some uh, security flare-ups and hostilities uh, over Al Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. So it's not like there aren't some serious and substantial concerns uh, out there in the real world that are just sort of getting lost in the. Uh, background of the uh, reality TV show.
1: Yeah, and of course, one of the most (coughs) disturbing stories of the week in my book is this one. Mineral Wealth in Afghanistan tempts Trump. It then details how Donald Trump is openly discussing about exploiting the mineral wealth of Afghanistan, a landlocked country, a country that borders Pakistan, Iran, the Hindu Kush that kind of goes into the Himalayas kind of into China, India, almost. Yeah. That story
0: is the tip of an insane iceberg right there. I, I should yeah. review on that completely. That was like on my list to mention as well. It's, it's like, like uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay.
1: How viable is access to any of that stuff? Sure.
0: It's crazy. Haven't you been following
1: Afghanistan? And, and you got to love it. I mean, the article goes into the <sighs> fact that, that Trump is consulting a billionaire financier By the name of Steven Feinberg, characterized as a billionaire financier who's informally advising Mr. Trump on Afghanistan as looking ways to exploit the country's minerals so that we can stay in Afghanistan longer. This is probably partly (laughs) uh,
0: connected to a scheme that the Blackwater dude dreamed up, because he'll continue to sell security Jeeps uh, for the the decades to come as this... (laughs) foolhardy enterprise uh bangs his head against the wall
1: yeah well maybe joe pesci is in the cabinet
0: (laughs) and (laughs) speaking of he's
1: he's advising trump (laughs) again with that pocket full of cocaine (laughs) the casino
0: reference is good again there that's right uh and speaking of banging your head on the wall uh second only to the boy scout jamboree uh fiasco the what's now being characterized as a joke by Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Uh, Trump's reference to uh, speaking to a group of policemen in Long Island. Oh, you know, hey, if you're handling uh, criminals, don't be afraid to uh, rough them up a little bit. Don't be too nice. Uh, You know, and joking about how you shouldn't have to protect their heads when you're cramming them into a cop car. Right.
1: What kind of a joke is that? To well, make? and particularly given all of the problems involved with this particular issue, exactly. this is this is tone deafness beyond uh, belief. I mean, Trump, get off the hair growth medication. It's gone into your ears. You can't hear anything anymore. You're deaf. And as for Scaramucci, he'll be fine. I mean, let's look on the bright side of Scaramucci's predicament. He's not going to have to sell his hedge fund now. Yeah. The hedge fund that was, of course, raising some big issues uh, in and of themselves. Yeah. A a remarkable week two of the the intermission of Donald Trump's presidency.
0: Well, I'm sure Paul Manafort was glad that it was such a crazy and chaotic week because his testimony before the Senate committee was just a quiet little blip, and we'll hear more about that later, no doubt, when uh, all the grand juries are summoned, but uh.
1: anyway, we are out of time down here on Gray Matters, here on WCBN FM and Arbor, do stay tuned Yazoo City Calling is coming up next on this fine station thanks to the engineer who cannot be named once again and do stay tuned Yazoo City Calling coming up next (laughs) Did you know Ann Arbor has a world-class skate park? The Ann Arbor Skate Park is open now at the northwest corner of Veterans Memorial Park. Bring your skates, start at the Kidney Bowl, and zoom through the street course.
0: For more information, visit www.ATSkatepark.org. That's www.ATSkatepark.org.
1: Some music is all about right here and right now. Some music looks far away. Tune in to Horizons, music that looks far away. Sundays at 6 p.m. on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.